When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From the FT in London, I'm David Pilling, and this is The Big Read. Last week, the Financial Times interviewed Cyril Ramaphosa, the new president of South Africa. Alec Russell is joining me from London, the weekend editor of the FT, and also from South Africa, Musi Maimani, the leader of the Democratic Alliance, uh, the main opposition party. Alec, I can start with you. You were there in the interview. We sat down with Cyril Ramaphosa for 45 minutes. What was your impression? Well, I've known Cyril Ramaphosa off and on for nearly 25 years. And one thing I can say for sure is that when we sat down with him last week, David, he was considerably more assured and confident and outspoken than I've heard him in conversations with him in the last 20 years. Because for about the last 20 years, he's been in the political wilderness. Why is he so confident and assured? Because he's the president as of two months ago, and he's come out of the starting blocks at a sprint. But it's only the beginning. Do you think, Alec, that he can fix South Africa? Clearly, South Africa has gone through a very difficult period under Jacob Zuma. Is Suramaposa the kind of the man for the hour? I think two things. I think one, if anyone in the ANC is the man for the hour, I hope you, you heard me saying that, Mamusi, um, uh, anyone from the ANC, then I think that person is probably Cyril Ramaphosa because he has an, a, a remarkable and I really think unique ability to appeal to sort of every side of South Africa in as much as he's a very successful businessman so we can reassure those fabled international investors that South Africa's always been searching to win the approval of. But he also has a background as having formed the first mining trade union and negotiated the the end of apartheid and so on. So he has good, good street credentials. So in terms of actually fixing South Africa, I think he's got a, a pretty good chance of tackling some of the rot that set in under his predecessor, Jacob Zuma. And he's already been clearing out some of the... Uh, more compromised officials and so on. But that, of course, is only the beginning because there are huge structural issues in the economy and so on, and that's a much bigger task. Musi, thank you very much for joining us. What do you think? I mean, you're standing outside the ANC, obviously. Are you heartened by the election of Sura Ramaphosa and what he's done in the first few months, or is this all smoke and mirrors as far as you're concerned? Look, uh, David, firstly, I think the election of Sil Ramaphosa must be welcomed. I mean, in the choices that we had within the ANC, he is by far the best choice. I mean, it, we had a choice between him and Nkosazana Lamine Zuma. And many of us know that Nkosazana Lamine Zuma would only continue Jacob Zuma's legacy. Having said that, I think the great difficulty that President Ramaphosa now has is that he may have won the leadership, but he certainly hasn't won the party. And that's the great difficulty that he's got ahead of him now, because he may be able to run government to a point, 
But the ANC is a patronage-driven organization. It is designed with being able to deploy its own cadres to particular sectors of government. And so Cyril Ramaphosa is saddled with that. And for me, the fundamental issue is that if he's intent on rescuing South Africa, then he has to destroy the ANC. And if he's intent on rescuing the ANC, then he's not going to win South Africa. And that's the difficulty. Right. And the immediate evidence of that is the fact that now he's got a deputy president who is compromised and he can do nothing about it. He this is David David Mabuza. As a deputy, David Mabuza, yes. Well, let's, let's split that into... And I can go through the cabinet. Okay, well, let's split that into two, uh, Musi. So let's just look at the ANC. I mean, clearly the ANC uh, was compromised under Jacob Zuma. Clearly, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa only kind of squeaked through the presidential elections. But he has moved quite decisively. He's put his, uh, his own cabinet in place. He's um, reappointed some of the people who had been fired by Jacob Zuma. And we can, I think, surmise that this is only Act 1 of, you know, maybe Act 1, 2 and 3. So there may be more to go. Does he not have a chance of cleaning house and of restoring the ANC to, you know, what we're used to, a party in which the hopes and dreams of South Africans, particularly black South Africans, you know, were registered? Well, I think let's interrogate that. One, he promised to have a smaller cabinet, and it's become quite clear he had to keep the cabinet nearly exactly the same. He's changed some key portfolios in in the Ministry of Finance, which is a welcome decision, and the Ministry of State-Owned Enterprises. But you can't take away from the fact that Zuma's cabinet is still largely in place, with Nkosazana Lamine Zuma, former wife of President Zuma, and Jacob Zuma's preferred candidate is the minister in the presidency. You can't take away from the fact that some of the appointments that have taken place in cabinet have been people who have evaded accountability. The minister of water and sanitation, Nombula Mokonyane, who has wasted billions of rand in that particular department, still remains within cabinet. So this is a compromised cabinet when you look at it. And perhaps others had argued that Sil Ramaphosa is a compromiser in, in how he managed to get the constitution negotiated. But in this particular instance, they are just a compromise that avoids accountability and leaves us with people in cabinet who, for some of them, to be honest with you, should have been fired, let alone been accommodated in cabinet. But do you not and acknowledge, Musi, that this might be just a just a start? You know, maybe this is Act 1, as I said. I mean, he's only been in power a couple of months. He'll need to consolidate his power. Could we not see him bringing in the exact cabinet that he wants, perhaps post-election, once he has a much stronger national mandate? The great difficulty is that you never build your reputation by what you're going to do. So we have to assess what Cyril Ramaphosa has done. And to also furthermore propose that he's coming in brand new is also this international foria that has surrounded him that seems to propose that this wasn't Cyril Ramaphosa was deputy president for years under Jacob Zuma. And that furthermore, you've got to then say, who is he picking from? Because many of the people that he has to pick from the list will come from ANC's lists. And when all of these lists come through the provincial structures, you will discover very quickly that the power play will begin there and he may end up with a cabinet list of Jacob Zuma's allies that he would be obligated to pick from. There have been some good moves, but there are some great challenges. Right. Alec, what do you think are the kind of the broader challenges that Sir Ramaphosa, the ANC, that indeed South Africa now faces going forward? 
if we leave the cleaning up of the ANC to one side, and, and I do agree with you, Mumusi, that the ANC is in a, in a pretty shabby state. Uh, but if we look more broadly at, at the economy and the state of society as a whole, there are a whole number of big issues. The issue I would put on the table is education. I've done two stints in South Africa as a foreign correspondent since the end of white rule. And on both occasions, the education ministry, in both times run by the NC, was producing all sorts of policy papers about what needed to be done. And not a lot was really done. And that's a huge, huge problem. Somehow, President Ramaphosa and his senior colleagues have to take on the incredibly powerful teachers union and confront the, frankly, the crisis in education. Musi, uh, in our interview with uh, Mr Ramaphosa, there was a line, I think, that said that, you know, the kind of quandary that he faces as that he's got to make South Africa more capitalist because he has to get investment coming in. He has to get the economy growing faster, but he also has to make it more socialist because he has to redistribute wealth and deal with the pent up demands of the you know largely black majority. On that kind of balance, I mean, I suspect you would shift more towards the kind of capitalist side of things just just very briefly you know how how do you sort of square that circle or is that a circle to be squared maybe you know you just have to go down one route what what is your view of that i think what you've got to do is free up those who have got capital to be able to thrive and i think if you do that and create more capitalist poor people to be able to invest you can be able to naturally be able to pull them through that ladder of opportunity into a place of prosperity. But to try and do what the ANC is trying to do, which is to kind of talk right and walk left, is confusing for everybody. And for us, we're simply saying what's going to be important is that let's pick a model. And the model that I would propose is that let us stimulate capital, let's allow those who've got investment means to be able to do so in an accelerated level, uh, protect private property, and ensure that South Africa becomes a number one investment destination for that capital. We'd be better off to create a partnership between the wealthy and the poor so that they can be uh, equal investors. But if you don't do that, I think we'll, we'll end up in a confused state and muddle along from a policy point of view. Thanks. Alec, if I could just let you sort of have the final word. Uh, do you think uh, Sir Ramaphosa is trying to talk left and walk right? Well, I think he clearly is trying to uh, be all things to all people at the moment. And as I said at the beginning, he is one of the very few people with the credentials to just about get away with it at, at the moment. But as we as we all know, it's just a matter of time before South Africa's you know enduring problems and fissures will sort of reassert themselves on the agenda. And it, indeed, it was very striking that just very shortly after David and I had this long interview with him in London, he suddenly had to jump on a plane and race back to South Africa because there were service delivery protests raging and riots in a small town in the northwest in uh, the heartland of one of Jacob Zuma's sort of proconsuls. He's got a terribly, terribly difficult task. I, I would say one thing, though, Musi, that you're quite right. He was deputy president for five years and kept his mouth shut when some bad things were going on. I suppose you could argue now at the start of his presidency, which is pregnant, as you know, with, with hope and expectation, that he's been waiting for this moment for a long time. And we just have to hope that he's been thinking long and hard about it in all these quiet years and has thought his way through all these thickets. Absolutely. And, and, and I do wish him great success um, because I think whatever party you're from, the success of South Africa is absolutely crucial. And therefore, in that instance, it will be important. I think if you could charter, as I would, 
a political realignment, I think then South Africa has got a great chance of success. Musi, Alec, thank you very much. The inexorable rise of China, the changing nature of work, the future of liberal capitalism, the power of Silicon Valley, the world of artificial intelligence. Join Gideon Rachman, Sarah O'Connor, Martin Wolf, Rana Faruha and John Thornhill as they explore some of the most significant questions of our age in a new podcast, The FT Big Picture. To listen and subscribe, visit ft.com slash podcasts. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.